Today we're going to learn based on the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos and a whole principle in terms of how a person is supposed to pay their workers that when we do something that is more than Hashem expects, we can anticipate in return for that tremendous response and bracha from Hashem. So the Mishnah is this, Ben Hei Hei Oimer, right at the end of the fifth chapter of Pirkei Avos, Ben Hei Hei Tot Lufum Tzara Agro, the reward is relative to the pain or the difficulty, the investment that a person had to put in to that reward. What does it mean? Is Mefarsha Baratanura, the Baratanura explains that, Kfiroi Vatsar Shata Sovo the amount of difficulty, discomfort that a person suffers, so to speak, by learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, yes, will determine how much more reward the person will get. Now let's understand for a second. What do you mean? If I have difficulty or if it's uh, painful or whatever, then I'm going to get a lot of reward. The fact that the Hashem rewards us is actually an halachic principle. The fact that the has to reward our mitzvahs is something the Torah itself requires. Halacha requires. This is Mochach Oich von der Master Rambam bringt es in sein Halacha Sefer, in sein Halacha Sefer, Hayad. Look, the Rambam talks about it. When you look in Hechaz Tshuva, the, the, the Rambam goes into a lot of detail about how Hashem, so to speak, owes us. When we've done what He wants, He owes us, so to speak, reward. In other words, if you follow strict law within Torah, the is, so to speak, beholden to reward us for our efforts. Why? But it's actually very much along the lines of the responsibility that any employer has to pay his employee for his effort. So we're working for Hashem. If we do things, we need to be compensated. So what's so unique about what Ben Heihe is telling us? So the innovation of Ben Heihe's teaching that the reward is commensurate with the pain in Pashtus, it would seem that what he's telling us is it's not about results, it's not even about effort, it's about how much discomfort or so-called pain a person had. Hashem is not going to reward us based on outcomes or based on how uh, uh, beautiful our mitzvah was. Which would imply that if a person does a mitzvah or serves Hashem in such a way that doesn't have the most powerful impact, in the context of what we call in halacha, where the investment or the difficulty outweighs the value and return on investment, in that case, where the person has, so to speak, felt more discomfort, then they have produced value. Hashem's not going to reckon their reward based on their value. But the Ebeshto will reward the person absolutely because it was difficult for them. That would seem to be Ben Hei's point. In other words, if I do a good day's job or if I do a mitzvah in the way that the Ebeshto wanted, well, then surely I should be getting something in response, in return. But if what I'm doing is a tremendous amount of effort and not a whole lot of result, well, that's his chiddush. Because there was effort, because it was difficult, there's great reward. So in that case, we have another question. This is not something unique to Ben Heihei. The principle that the reward for our mitzvahs is relative either to what we achieve by doing them or to the amount of effort that we put in, that's something we've seen in multiple places. Many places Chazal speak this language. For example, in Bechukoy 
The Ebishter promises if you follow my statutes, you'll have all these brachas. You have to work hard at Torah learning. In other words, there's tsar, there's a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of difficulty. And then the Ebishter will give you the rewards. Or the famous Gemara of What's the difference between somebody who has served Hashem and someone who has not yet served Hashem? You cannot compare somebody who has reviewed their learning a hundred times to the person who reviews a hundred and one times and it's compared to the market of donkeys where the price of taking the donkey a little further than it's normal is a doubled price. The same way the person who pushes himself, that's tired, that's discomfort, gets double the reward. Or the comment on the Pasuk, when the person's soul brings a mincha offering, who's the person who brings a mincha? Usually a poor person. Therefore, it's tsar, it's difficult for him to bring this offering. And Abishta considers it like an amazing thing, gets a huge reward, as if he had sacrificed his own soul. And there are multiple sources. So what's Ben Hey Hey telling us that there's reward relative to effort and to difficulty? Chazal is full of this. The truth is, even in the world of halacha, when you're talking about an employer, an employee, you can even see this. When you have a look and it's brought in Gemara and in halachic sources, that if a person invested a whole lot of money and only produced a little bit of return, we pay them relative to the return. That is not in Bashim Tafan, that's in very unique circumstances. For example, when the Balabais hot and need gedungen. Let's say it's a scenario where the Balabais, the owner of this particular item, didn't hire your services. You volunteered. Not the Pelotas get on at that The example is, a person goes to somebody else's field without permission and plants things in that field which do yield. Then we say, okay, you get the value of the yield, not the value of your investment. Or another scenario where the person would be paid only relative to the value would be if he didn't follow the instructions he was given. Says, please die this red for me. The guy dies at black. Or if a person actually damaged the item by making a bad job of dying it. So what do we see? It's only if a person steps up of their own accord or if a person does a bad job, that's when they won't get rewarded relative to their discomfort, their effort and their investment. But if somebody is hired to do a job and they do it the right way, the way that the employer wanted it to be done, then if it turns out that the cost to the employer, uh, to the employee, outweigh the value that they produce and even if there's zero value in the end didn't achieve the results that he was supposed to achieve here's an example let's say that a person hires a, a worker and the job is to take a particular vegetable or a particular fruit to a sick person the guy gets there with the right vegetable or fruit but the sick person has never passed away. Because he did what his mission was, even though the value is completely wasted, 
Erev on Zion's side, Tod Gitondi Melochah Bishlemus. But that's not his fault. He did everything he was supposed to do in the best way possible. Not said, Vagvisa Sibot is Echnit Oizgifrit, the Tachasam Chuvan from the Melochah. It's because of external circumstances that his mission was unsuccessful, not because of his tardiness or because of his negligence. Is that din the halacha is as noisin loisachorim isholem that the person who employed this man to deliver this item to the sick person who landed up not being around by the time he got there, the the shliach the the poil has to be paid out in full. Afilin fal ben sachruhu b'shvel achel yosim mashal yor lasechrei, and that's even in a case where the person hired him at a rate that is greater than he should have paid him. Doesn't matter. You tried. You did your best. You get rewarded. Is bechenit to move on if that's the case. This whole ben hey hey lefuntzara agra doesn't seem to make sense. As many done is We're talking about a case of a person who did what Hashem wants. I did. You you asked me to do Torah mitzvahs. I'm doing Torah mitzvahs. And I'm not like the guy who had a failed mission. Every mitzvah that we do produces a result. Even though you might argue the result seems to be disproportionate to the effort that it took is but what's absolutely clear surely is the Hebishter has to repay us that's the halacha and he has to pay us in full which includes paying us compensation for the difficulties we encountered doing those mitzvahs even if that means that there's a net loss so to speak because the cost of of replenishing our discomfort is greater than the value of the mitzvah we've produced. The Ebishter has to do that. So what is Ben Heihei telling us that is so revolutionary that Hashem pays us relative to our difficulty and investment? Okay. In the Now one major distinction that we can make over here is in all the cases that we have quoted, there are two things. There's the work that the worker does and whatever discomfort, stress, anxiety, physical difficulty, pain that goes with that, that's one thing. And then there's something completely different, which is the outcome that the, that the employer expected. That's what the balabais will benefit once the job is complete. And therefore, in the analysis of the employee doing his work, all we're saying is, oh, you did your work. That's what you did. Your side of the deal. But it's quite possible that he could make all the effort, do all the work, and not produce the result that he was hired to produce. Again, he takes the food, goes to the sick person. Sick person, unfortunately, has passed away. Two separate things. His effort is one reality. The result is a different. But when you're dealing with Torah and Mitzvahs, is that Tzairah von Kim HaTorah Mitzvahs nitkem bazundazach von dem Revach v'Shevach. We're not going to split apart the effort of doing a mitzvah and the mitzvah itself. Like the Rambam says, not only are we not going to separate it, sometimes the difficulty in doing a mitzvah enriches the mitzvah. What does the Rambam say? If a person desires to do the wrong thing, and he has a real yearning, like he's really drawn, he's, he's craving doing the wrong thing. That person is more important, and is more complete in his service of Hashem, compared to the person who doesn't have those, dr- those drives and desires. 
The person who doesn't feel any pain by overlooking or ignoring his cravings. And therefore, that's exactly what, it's, what the, the principle is. The person had to work so hard to overcome their impulses in order to do what Hashem wants is a whole lot greater than the person who didn't. And it's in that context, the Rambam quotes this Mishnah from Ben Hehe that that's when we say, relative to the Tzara, the pain of having to overcome my own cravings to do what Hashem wants, increases the reward that I'm going to get. Beyond that, the Rambam says, we're actually told, we're actually told that we should have that craving and overcome it. As the Gemara tells us, the person should not say, I don't want to eat non-kosher. And therefore, I'm fine. I would prefer to do things that are contrary to the Torah. But I don't have a choice. My Father in Heaven made a decree against me. Now, this Rambam is saying, the difficulty in performing a mitzvah is part of the mitzvah. Which only accelerates our question. So what is the big insight that Ben Hehe offers us that relative to how difficult it was to perform the mitzvah is the reward for the mitzvah. That's built into mitzvahs. The fact that it was difficult is part of the praise of this person having done the mitzvah. Is er no In fact, the Gemara says that's how you should think. I would like to do this, but I'm going to defer to Hashem's authority. And what's the big surprise now that the person is going to be rewarded for doing what actually gives value to the mitzvah? But let's not get carried away and try and stretch this to say as That's actually the point of this mishnah. Or is the mocker of them because this mission is how we know that principle that if it's difficult to do a mitzvah, it's more valuable. Which you might actually be able to read into the Rambam because he directs that principle straight back at this Mishnah. Because it's not the only place that discusses this, as we've already mentioned. It's all over the words of Chazal. So what is he telling us, Ben Hei, Hei that we wouldn't already know? Well, actually what he's telling us is a whole different gather, a whole category within observance of Torah and mitzvahs. But Habir goes like this. And this Mishnah wants to innovate for us this principle that reward is relative to pain. Tzara stam, it means pain. Yedet tzara. Any difficulty, any pain. But especially if it's a genuine pain, like it's really difficult. If I know it's hard for me to do a particular mitzvah. But the Gemara says, you should say, I would love to do this mitzvah, but now I can have the great satisfaction knowing that I'm delaying my own gratification and doing what Hashem wants. We're not talking about that. This Mishnah is talking about a person who undertakes a certain difficulty in performance of Torah that is not required. It's something the person has voluntarily decided to do. That, by the way, would explain why this statement is included in Pirkei Ovis, not another part of the Gemara, and specifically at the end of the section of Mishnayis of Pirkei Ovis. As we well know, the purpose of Pirkei Ovis is to talk about things that are beyond the requirement of the law. And we'll discuss it in greater detail shortly.
It's also interesting to note who is the person the Mishnah attributes this teaching to. Not somebody we name with his real name, but rather we use a nickname, Ben which by the way the Mephoshim point out tells us that he was a convert Ben Avram Ben Hey he's the son of Hey Avram who became Avraham there's the one Hey and he's the Ben he's the descendant of Sorai who became Sora there's the other Hey he's the descendant of the two people whose names changed with a Hey why is that important to us? Because we, the Mishnah wants us to know we're discussing here a scenario where a person undertakes a certain difficulty that's related to serving Hashem, which they did not have to get involved with. And of course, the best example of that is a convert. The person didn't have to be Jewish. They become a brand new person. Here's a person who converts to Judaism. There's nobody asking them to convert. Here's somebody who voluntarily has adopted a whole lot of very difficult practices called Torah and Mitzvahs. So if we're talking about a person committing to something very difficult for Hashem, which they're not obligated to do, so you could think, as far as Okay, you've decided this, it's your idea, it's your business to undertake this additional type of difficulty in your Yiddishkeit. There should be no, re- no reward for it. Unless you produce something really valuable as a result. Well, if you produce something really valuable, great reward. This is the din from them. We already quoted an example of this in Halacha. Somebody walks into somebody else's field without permission and plants a whole lot of things in the field, which actually yield produce and are good for the balabayas. So what happens? Okay, we don't pay you for your investment. We pay you for what you produced. Should be the same thing. If somebody volunteers to become Jewish or somebody who is Jewish volunteers to do something in their Judaism that is difficult but not required, we'll say, great, if it produces a result, you'll get reward. If not, that's it. Zogti Mishnets to that that Ben Heihei brings his great revolution of Funtsaro Agro. That actually the reward follows the pain as Megitim Schar Oichfaz and Tirchon Tsar. That the Ibishta will also reward a person for their involvement, for their investment, for their pain. Even though nobody asked him to do it. Olohoir. And when you put it into the context of a ger, which we're saying Ben Hey Hey was, that's when you see it in the most extreme example. By a ger is not saying A it's not just that he's doing a project for Hashem, and that project is not required, and it takes tremendous effort, and therefore, wow, we're impressed. He's made his whole life, his entire being is about doing something he didn't have to do. So that's the, the extreme example is the ger. But the truth is the example applies to every single one of us because by a hidden mitzvah. Let's say a person decides I'm going to do a mitzvah in an even better way. I'm going to undertake a particular behavior which is not required according to her but it's a good behavior. Or I'm going to put my hand up to volunteer to be a representative of something in the world of Kedushah. Which a person volunteers to do of their own volition. Same thing. We'll say, okay, listen, you tried to do it. You decided to do it, you would think the person only gets reward if it produces results. The Fumtsara Agro, there's the surprise. Just the fact that you did something which was difficult already earns your reward. Now, McKenna, you could ask a question. 
Let's say somebody walks into somebody else's field and starts to plant things and it works. Let's say that the Balabas indicates somehow that I'm quite happy that you've walked into my field and you've actually planted things. Then, the minute he shows that he actually is satisfied that this volunteer arrived and started to work his field, the minute he shows that he likes that, he becomes liable to pay all of the expenses associated with it. Even if that means that he is paying more than he's getting out of the produce that's yielded from the field. If that's true, if he says, surely we're back to square one with our question. Surely the Abish is satisfied any time that we do something beyond the requirement of the law. Something we were not instructed explicitly to do. So back to square one. So what's the great excitement and, and surprise that the Abish is going to pay us in turn? To the extent that this is now considered something which is wow, it's beyond the requirement of the law. So the Birbo's explanation is this. Any time that a person commits themselves to an element of, commit, uh, of, of service of Hashem, which was not mandated, for example, I'm going to do this mitzvah in a beautiful way. I'm going to undertake a new conduct. We all know what happens. Very often the person gets into the habit of doing it for a period of time, and then they slack off. Now we've got a problem because here somebody who committed to a particular behavior didn't specify that it was without absolute commitment and now they're letting themselves down is via pshia. That actually amounts to a form of negligence. As is Gerendam Shpeta Dikin Hefzid, negligence that causes damage and generally a person who causes damage through negligence is liable for that damage. And if that's true of us, how much more so? Let's say somebody converts to Judaism. And then later on in life, no longer observes mitzvahs properly. Then it's much worse and it's like the whole conversion was some kind of negligent, rebellious move actually. You undertook mitzvahs you didn't have to do and now you're not doing them. As the Gemara warns us, that Gerim are difficult to deal with. They're as difficult in the Jewish world as the concept of forms of Tzaraas. Why? Because they're bad people. Because they don't necessarily know the thorough understanding of all the various mitzvahs. And other people follow their example. And that's why we have to first put a disclaimer and warn the ger who wants to convert. What interested you to come and join us? You know, if you want to leave, leave, rather leave, don't get involved. And even though after all of our warnings and disclaimers, this person decided they went in and they converted. Without considering all the challenges that that might bring them. For example, the challenge of not keeping mitzvahs properly. So then the person is held liable because we told you you shouldn't have to get involved if you're not absolutely certain of this. And the person did get involved and now they slacked off. It's a big problem. So that really highlights what Ben Hei is teaching us because without his teaching, 
We would have thought, the fact that the person went through a period where, where life was perhaps a little bit uncomfortable, committing to the Hidr Mitzvah, to becoming a Ger. Well, maybe the, he doesn't deserve any reward or any value for that because it didn't work out. Let's use a different halachic example. Here's a man who volunteers and says, okay, I'm going to carry your jars from here to there. And he didn't do a really good job of watching where he was going. And because he was negligent, he dropped and broke the jars. Let's say he walked on a bad path, etc. What's the din is, the halacha there is, as the, the, the Valabais can turn around and say, you cost me money, I'm not paying you. Not only that, he can sue him for the damage to those jars. So you'd think it's the same thing. I didn't ask you to become Jewish, you became Jewish. I didn't ask you to do the Hidra Mitzvah, you took the Hidra Mitzvah. And now you broke it. I don't owe you anything. If anything, you owe me. That's the innovation of Ben Agro. Says Ben Hey, no, relative to the Tsar is the reward. As when the Even in a scenario where the long-term outcome of this particular undertaking and the pain the person put them through, themselves through was actually that it caused damage in the long run. Nevertheless, that person will get some degree of reward for having pushed themselves beyond what is required. And it'll be a little bit more similar to this person who's carrying these jugs. That even after he's broken the jugs, if it turns out that he can't put food on his table, then the owner of the jugs, who is now furious with this guy, is expected to go beyond the requirement of the law and pay him anyway. So in the same way, Hashem says, I'm, I'm disappointed in how this played out, but I'm still going to go and give you a reward for the fact that you tried and you invested and it was difficult for you. And even though this particular expectation that the Balabais is going to push himself completely beyond himself and still pay for this guy to eat. Is in a case specifically where the employer had asked, hired this person to carry his jugs. And we're not talking about a case where Hashem asked us to take on the Hidra Mitzvah to become Jewish. We're talking about a case where a person chose of their own volition to become Jewish, to take on the Hidra Mitzvah, to take on the Han Hogatova. But as we've already noted before, the fact that the Balabais, the Ibishter, generally speaking, is happy with what we're doing, even if one element of what the person did was completely negligent, Let's use our example. As Here's a guy carrying the jugs and he goes on a bridge, let's say, that's very uh, rickety. Let's say only one of the jugs. He was carrying a few jugs, one of them fell and broke. And the revach from the ibe gefrit chavis is mer from him hefse from the einzige zebrochen the chavis. So let's say he had four jugs. He drops one. But the value to the employer of him doing the job with three out of four jugs is greater than the loss of the one jug. 
Was dann ist, dann ist nicht die Bühne von Überführung die Chabias. In which case, the employer is still not happy. Er ist noch no, nicht zufrieden von dem Eifen, wie er hat das getan. It's just a little niggled by how it all played out. But overall, he, he got what he wanted. If that's the case, darf der Balabais mit seinem Midas Chassidus im Geben dem Fullen Scharf als ein Arbeit. Then, if the Balabais wants to behave in a way that is appropriate, even though it's beyond the requirement of the law, he'll pay the fellow in full. Oich fahren Ibe für den Dichavis, wer hat sich zerbrochen? Meaning to say, he did, does not deduct from his salary the broken jug. Warum er jöst, der Balabais ist nicht die Biola Bichlau. Because the employer is happy that the jugs reach their destination, at least three out of four, is a skiller of Otim Gedungenifdem. That's actually almost exactly as if he had hired him to do the job. And the Rebbe says, I have been done. Same thing with Eberstenas. As we build them by the base, maybe she is Nicha, was Dodem Nemtef sich the Tirchon Tsar von Aida Mitzvuchle. The Eberste has Nachas. Eberste is happy with the fact that a Jewish person wants to do more than is required, takes on a Hidra Mitzvah, Hanagateva. It's just that the way he did it wasn't the best way. He walked on a rickety path. He didn't protect himself by saying, I'm doing this. That says Ben Hehe is how the Epishta works. You get rewarded completely, even though something went a bit awry, didn't all pan out as it should have. The Epishta rewards the person for their efforts. And the same would apply to a person who converts to Judaism. The concept that here's somebody who wanted to enter into the holiness of Judaism, that's beautiful to the Even though down the line the person became negligent and let the Judaism go, he's not fulfilling mitzvahs with all of the details. The still rewards that person in full for the fact that they converted. Despite the fact that there is a net loss in terms of what this person brought to the table, because if they weren't Jewish, these things wouldn't be an Avera, and now they are Averas. Still the Ebeshter rewards the person. That is the Chiddush, Lefum, Tzaira, Agra, that even if a person's pain and investment was self-motivated, not required by Torah, didn't succeed absolutely, the Ebeshter still rewards them anyway. Now the fact that who taught, taught us this? Ben Heihei. Why is he called Ben Heihei? So that we would recognize that he is a Ger, he is somebody who went through this process himself. Even though as we've mentioned, a person born Jewish could also have something of this volunteerism for Hashem. That every single Jew is potentially capable of undertaking some element of dedication to Torah Mitzvahs that is difficult and not required. Why do we highlight over here that Ben Heihei was a Ger? It's because Gerus is the most extreme example because to convert, there is no concept of a requirement to convert. There might be a concept of expecting that people would want to improve their Yiddishkeit. But to convert to Judaism, no expectation. The as boring explanation is this. The ganze Bria von is Lashamash If you look at how a Jew is created, why is a Jew created? What is the person created for? Serve the Yiddish. Is there fun moving? Okay, if you were created to serve Hashem, you've got to use every facet of your character and your abilities to serve Hashem. 
To the extent the Gemara tells us that every one of us has to demand of ourselves when will my level of service of Hashem match that of the others. In other words, I've got to go to the nth degree. So it's nearly impossible for a Jewish person to say, well, here's a way to serve Hashem, which I'm not really obligated to do. Of course I'm obligated. I'm obligated to use every ounce of my being to serve Hashem. Even if it's something beyond the letter of the law, conduct that is reserved for chassidim. None of that is the kind of thing that a Jewish person is exempt from. Because the bottom line is that a Jewish person is required to serve Hashem with every fiber of their beings. Now let's compare that to a ger. As far as I'm gerus before the ger converts, there is zero expectation or obligation or even recommendation to convert. To the contrary, the guy knocks on our door and says, I want to convert. We say, for what? We don't advise it. So therefore, when the ger undertakes the difficulties and challenges of Judaism, that would be a scenario of a person dedicating themselves to Hashem in an area that there was zero requirement. So, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that this is like, wow, you know, here's somebody who's committed to Hashem where you didn't have to and they get rewarded. We specifically speak about it in Pirkei Ovis. Why? Even though you're talking about a ger as your primary example, where do you put it? Pirkei Ovis, which speaks to everybody. You need not to ger. To illustrate to us that even when a Jewish person undertakes a path of Judaism that is not required of them, and especially if it's something which is not part of the person's nature, not part of their regular behavior, and because, therefore, the person's undertaking is so foreign and so challenging, it, they may as well have taken on something that wasn't even part of their Judaism. That is similar to the experience of conversion. Now, we're going to look specifically now at where we're taught this Mishnah and in which context we're taught this Mishnah. It will deepen our appreciation of what's being said over here, the greatness of volunteering to do more than the Abish expects of us. Nachmer. Where is this Mishnah placed? Right at the end of Pirkei Avos, or at least the end of the first five chapters, which are the Mishnahs, as opposed to the sixth parak, which is more Brises. Why is it relevant that it's there? When you reach the end of a process, you've reached the summit of that process. So the whole of Pirkei Avos is teaching us how a person lives in a way of chasidus that is beyond what the law requires. This is now the apex. This is the pinnacle, like we've already touched on. 
Weil in dem Mishnah Retzach wegen der Zerkabalist-Zar, was ist in ganzen nicht Leute sein Teva oder Regilus. Because here we're talking about the ultimate lift in the Mishnah Retzach. Somebody doing something which is completely against their nature, completely against anything they've done in the past. It's not required of them. It's going to be difficult. That is the ultimate state of Midas Chassidus. Now let's go back to something we mentioned right at the beginning. Generally speaking, the fact that the Ebishter rewards us for mitzvahs is an halachic requirement, just like any situation where you have to work, uh, sorry, where you have to pay your workers. The halacha requires that we should be rewarded for our mitzvahs. So we took that at face value. The truth of the matter is, it's not so simple. Because we're not employees. Come in, Fregan, so we could raise this question. The requirement that an employer must pay the employee. And not only that, if he's a day worker, he's got to be paid on time. If he's a contract, he's got to be paid at the end of the contract. The only time you have to pay your worker is if your pay, worker doesn't have to work for you. And the only reason he's working for you is because you've hired him to pay him to work. But if somebody is a slave, there's no requirement to pay him. The fact that he's a slave means that he is obligated to do whatever he's told. And likewise, if you ask your child to do something for you, then the child has to listen because he has a requirement to honor his father. You don't expect now that the father's going to pay him for it. There's no concept of expectation. Halacha requires you're going to pay your slave or you're going to pay your son. Therefore, that the relationship we have with Hashem, depending on our level of attachment, is either like slaves or like a child. Not only that, not only do we have a very close relationship like a child or a very obligated relationship like an Ebed, our entire purpose for creation is to serve Hashem. So therefore, if, if, if I am beholden to Hashem to serve Him, I am much more required to serve the Ebeshter than an average servant to serve his master. And I am certainly more beholden to Hashem because I was created to serve Him much more than a child has to listen to a parent. So where does it enter the equation that a Jewish person could turn around and say, I deserve reward and halacha dictates that you've got to pay me the reward. Why? I'm doing what I'm created to do. I have no other value, no other purpose. Says the Biren, then explanation is this. Let's look at the interplay and the relationship between Hashem and us in the equation called Torah Mitzvahs. David gave us Torah Mitzvahs. Because the Ebesha gave us Torah Mitzvahs. So part of the experience of Torah Mitzvahs is defined by the Noisein, the Moibishan, the Ebesha's perspective on it. 
And then there are other elements of Torah mitzvahs that are defined by our perspective and experience as the practitioners. Because there are two perspectives, there's the Abish's view of Torah and our experience of Torah. That's why in the definition of Torah you'll see wildly different extremes. On the one hand, Torah cannot be blemished, it cannot be defiled. If a person who is not pure studies Torah, it doesn't affect the Torah. Because it's the Abish's word, which is like fire, just like fire can never be defiled. So the words of Torah can never be defiled. It's the Abish's reality, cannot be harmed by Yidin, on the one hand. On the other hand, the halacha is that if a rabbi wants to forego some of the honor coming to him by his students, he may do so. Why? The Torah because the Torah is considered his personal asset. It's like, it's like his. That shows us that in certain aspects, from a certain perspective, Torah is Hashem's, can't be touched, can't be defiled. And from other perspectives, Torah is ours. And therefore we can decide whether we're going to take the covet or not. So throughout Torah Mitzvahs, we can always look from these two perspectives. There's an element of Torah Mitzvahs that is 100% Abish's and there's an element that is completely ours. When it comes to us actually learning Torah and performing mitzvahs, again, there are two perspectives. When you're looking at Torah mitzvahs from Hashem, the giver's perspective, from Hashem's perspective, you have to serve me like a servant serves a master or a child respects a parent depending again on your status. When we're looking from our perspective, the receivers, the practitioners, we say, from our perspective, our performance of Torah Mitzvah is, we are stepping up to the plate to fulfill a contract that you have with us for which we actually deserve reward. So the fact that we've got this paradoxical reality of how Torah Mitzvahs work, is something which is expressed in the two very different classes of Mitzvahs. Because on the one hand you have the Mitzvahs, you have three cardinal sins that a person has to rather sacrifice their lives and, instead of transgressing. And then on the other mitzvahs, you have everything else. We actually, we have to preserve life, even if that means that we have to temporarily suspend a mitzvah. Two categories. Certain mitzvahs are immutable. Certain mitzvahs, depends. There might be a time where you have to uh, compromise the mitzvah. What distinguishes the two? By the In the average mitzvah, the focus is, my, the practitioner's responsibility to the mitzvah. They actually define me. I need to live to do mitzvahs. Therefore, I was created to serve the Ebeshe. If the mitzvah will threaten the person's life and therefore preclude them from the opportunity to do more mitzvahs, suspend the mitzvah in the meantime. 
Let's suspend this Shabbos so the person can continue doing the reason he was created, the Makabal was put in this world to be able to serve Hashem more. But the three cardinal mitzvahs there we're looking specifically from Hashem's perspective. There's no possibility of you could compromise the mitzvah. The only option is to compromise life in favor of the mitzvah. So what do we see? In the whole of Torah mitzvahs, there are two perspectives you could look at. If you're looking purely from the Abishtah's perspective, you're right. We're his children, we're his slaves, we don't deserve anything. But he designed us to be l'shamesh eskoini, that our core value and purpose is to serve Hashem, for which we actually do, in fact, deserve reward. So now this perspective and this paradoxical perspective on the so-called reward for mitzvahs, that reward speaks to our perspective and role within mitzvahs. Aha. So now you've told me that the whole concept of a person being rewarded for a mitzvah is the Abishta allowing a reality as we perceive it. We're working hard. We deserve reward. That is accentuated when you read that the reward is going to be relative not only to what we achieve, but how much difficulty it took to achieve it. We're going to measure how hard was it for the Mechabal, for the practitioner. And that helps us understand even better why this uh, particular statement is taught in Pirkei Avos. What's Pirkei Avos? Beyond the requirement of the law. The entire principle of living beyond the requirements of the law is is only something that the practitioner could experience. If you're looking from Hashem's perspective, David's perspective is, why do you exist? Only to serve Hashem. So there's no limits. There's no time you could say, I've done more than I needed to to serve Hashem. What do you mean more than you needed to? The whole reason you exist is to serve Hashem. And in fact, the expectation from the Abishra's perspective is, give up your life. From the perspective of the Abishra, you are created. There's, there's no room for saying, I did more than I was expected to. So, the whole principle of Nifnim which is the principle of Lefum Tsara Agro, that our pain actually is worth something, because this is the perspective of our experience of serving Hashem. The section of Torah that talks this language, Mili de Chasidusa, Pirkei Avos, starts off Moshe Kibel. Moshe received the Torah. It doesn't emphasize the fact that David gave the Torah as much as that Moshe received the Torah. Why? For the Indian for Mili de Chasidusa, the Teichem for Mesechesavos, because this entire principle of the possibility of going beyond the requirements, which is the theme of Pirkei Avos. Is something that is only valid, it's only possible when you're looking through the eyes of the Mechabal, the one who received the instructions and is now following them.
is linked from beginning to end, like all other principles in Torah. Therefore, the concluding Mishnah or section of Pirkei Avos is about reward. What's the reward? Reward is something that's relevant to the Mechabal, to the person who is capable of going because now we're not looking from Hashem's absolute expectations, but rather from our limited contribution. And more specifically, Pirkei ends off talking not only about investment, but difficulty, pain associated with that investment, because that is exactly the point we must be talking about human endeavor. So now that we've made it clear, this principle of valuing and rewarding the pain of our input to serve Hashem, that recognizes our input. That's not only something that is illustrated by the fact that relative to the pain is the reward. But as we're about to see, the nature of the challenge, the difficulty, the pain is also relevant and valuable. Let's recount, let's recall, we're talking over here about a person undertaking something which is really difficult and was not expected. This is absolutely voluntary. And the example that we used that was the prime version of this is the Ger who had no requirement to become Jewish. And therefore choosing to be Jewish is 100% his choice. Because there is no expectation. So now if we're talking about the pain of me choosing to do something I didn't have to do. Whether it's a life change like the Ger or a change in undertaking one particular thing like a Jew, that is 100% in the person's purvey. It's 100% up to me. And that's going to deepen our appreciation of the link between the end and beginning of Perkyovis. In Sugav Tzedem, besides what we have already mentioned, that Kibel Torah Misinai is the concept of the Mechabal. The Mechabal is where you could have the possibility of Lifni Mishur Sadin, and therefore the value of reward for pain. But beyond that, the truth is, at the time that we received the Torah, which is alluded to in the first Mishnah, as we've already pointed out, Moshe Kibel is to speak to the theme of Kabbalah Satorah. At that point in time, all of us had the status of Geirim, which is exactly the point. All of us had the status of commitment to Torah that wasn't yet required. As mentioned, we're going to now compare it to the context in which this Mishnah appears. Now we can link Ben Heihei's comment in this Mishnah about the value of pain 
So Maimon was Sheikh Reich Farden to the Mishnah that immediately preceded it, which was Ben Bagba Goimer Hafokhba Vafokhbo Hulei. Ben Bagba says you've got to rehash and rehash the Torah again and again because everything is distilled within the Torah. Because like Kamagir Soiz and Beda Maimori main Mishnah. In fact, various versions of the Mishnah actually include the two of them as a single Mishnah. Now, Oich Ben Bagbag is given a Ger, or there are Ben Gerim. Ben Bagbag was either a Ger himself or he was descended from Gerim. Now we already mentioned Ben Heihe is obviously not his name, but it alludes to the fact that he was the descendant or that he was a Ger, the descendant of Avram and Sarah Ben Avram and Sarah Shnitos for Bishmam, who both had a He added to their names. Bagbag is exactly the same thing, but Bagbag is much a Hey Hey. Right? Bay is Gimel 2 and 3 equals 5. So Ben Hey Hey is the actual letter Hey. Ben Bagbag is the value of the letter Hey. Also alluding to the same principle, a descendant of those who had a Hey added to the names. In other words, a Ger. In fact, you could even see Bagbag as a, an abbreviation. According to the version that he wasn't a Ger, he was the children of Gerim. Ben Ger, Ben Gioris. So, for the same reason we identified about Ben Heihei, that he's not called by name, but he's rather called by a title, which tells us that he is a Ger. Same thing with Ben Bagbag. So, in the case of Ben Heihei, we said, well, the point of him being a ger speaks to the heart of what he did, of what he taught, the value of the tsar that you didn't have to undertake. The same thing with Ben Bagbag, knowing that he's a ger helps us understand what he's teaching in his, in his Mishnah. What's he teaching us? He's teaching us the value of what it is to learn Torah as a Jewish person. We know that any person who's non-Jewish is required to follow seven mitzvahs. So then, if a non-Jewish person learns the parts of Torah that speak about the seven mitzvahs, which is an amazing thing, right? In fact, he's even considered in context like a Kohen Gadol, in context of a, a Ben Noyach. The fact is, there's no actual value in the learning of the Torah. Other than the fact that it is what will allow the person to know how to do the mitzvahs. The Torah learning doesn't have intrinsic value. It has the value it will produce afterwards that you know, how to learn, you know what to do. But when a person converts, now the converted person, the Jewish person, now has an independent mitzvah to learn Torah that is not tethered specifically to knowing what to do. Then the whole experience of Torah learning totally shifts for him. Suddenly his experience of Torah is the, the rehashing, the revisiting, the relearning of Torah is value. In it itself lies the value. Not only the information it will provide for practical purposes. And that's why Ben Bagbag, being either a Ger or Ben Gerim, is the one who teaches this. What prompted Ben Bagbag to teach this teaching? 
But the tziva ve'ilu b'tayr from afachba v'afachba v'ertehed by a ger be'ifem miyuchad because he, as a ger or the child of gerim, he dafka appreciates the revolutionary experience of learning Torah as a Jew, where you learn Torah because Torah is valuable, not because it will bring you value. That is why there's a link between these two statements, either as separate or as the same Mishnah. The reason they're linked is because both of their perspectives are highlighted through the experience of a ger. The ger appreciates the Fumtsara Agra, that when you volunteer to do something you did not have to do, it is so incredibly valuable, even if you don't get it 100% right. And the ger is one who experiences the value of hafochba vafochba that there's such intrinsic value in Torah itself. And it's not just that these two statements are linked, but the order in which they appear is precise. First, we have Ben Bagbag telling us about the value of learning Torah. Because the first thing is Torah learning. And then noch the maimon of Funtzara Agra was dos the tzar v'tircham and he gave maisa mitzvahs for him talmud maybe the day maisa and then you can get to Ben Heihei speaking about practice how you actually do the mitzvahs and even do them in a way beyond what is required because that is the result of talmud that's what happens once you've learned you know that you can and should and how you should do these mitzvahs now then yonim in Torah everything in Torah oich dinemim from the bale amaymorim even the names of people who are quoted in a mishnah zayin betachis sadik is absolutely precise. So therefore we have to appreciate that the link between these two messages, the value of learning Torah for its own sake and the value of committing to mitzvahs that are not required, the fact that they're attributed to these two sages, it's not just like a general link, because they both generally shared the same experience of conversion. Each of their names speaks to the unique message of each of their statements. We can even prove this. There's an opinion the Medrash Shmuel brings that actually it's the same person. Ben Heihei and Ben Bagbag is the same person. If it's the same person, why do you refer to them in two different ways? The fact that the same person might have been given different names when quoting different, uh, different teachings was we have no option but to conclude as the differences in their names speak to the heart of the differences in their messages. The has been their meaning as follows. In the the man who is called Ben Hei Hei, and the person who taught us that Hashem rewards us for effort around those things we didn't have to do, is In Ben Hei Hei, you can see the fact that he's a ger more clearly than in Ben Bagbag. So as Rashbam says, Hey, hey, you can see clearly. Hey, oh, the hey from Avram, the hey from Sarah. Bag bag is more hidden because you've got to work out, oh, bag bag, it's the gematria of hey. And you've got to like extrapolate. It's not obvious. Similarly, as the one is more revealed and the one is more hidden, that's exactly as it is in their messages. When you say, relearn the Torah, relearn the Torah, because everything is what? Hidden in it. You're talking about something that's hidden. 
got to work it through and work it through and work it through till you discover it. Pain, pain you don't have to, you don't have to explore. You know exactly what it is, you know exactly what it feels like. Habir, let's explain this more profoundly. As we mentioned, is when a person learns Torah for Torah's sake. This is a person who is focused on, I want to learn the Eberster's wisdom, not just how to be a practicing Jew. Well, if that's the Torah I'm learning, then I'm not only learning halacha, which are things that can play out in a real, open, revealed way in daily life. If I'm learning Torah, I'm learning all the backstory, the debates, the proofs, the counter-arguments. In fact, even after, when, you, when you're working through the concepts, the concepts always have layers and layers and layers and layers. You can never say, I've mined this completely. You can ask further, explore further, debate further. You see the Mephoshim actually explain it. What does it mean? Turn it over and turn it over. Because we find that there's a principle of these great Tamidei Chachom and Tanoim who would teach 49 explanations of why something should be Tamei and then 49 reasons why the same thing should be Tohoir. Even if they were completely contrary arguments. That's why he says you've got to turn it over and turn it over. Not just learn and learn. Turn it over. Look at it from this angle. Look at it from that angle. Another perspective. And you have to be willing to learn perspectives that appear to be contrary. You don't just choose a side. Work out the whole logic and insight why the person should, uh, why the thing should be Tahir and why it should be Tahir. Because everything is in it, and it's all genuine Torah. Which then helps us to understand what's the difference between the teaching about pain is what produces reward versus the teaching that says relearn and relearn and look at all the perspectives. It's the difference of whether we're looking at an experience that is immediately visible and, and, and tangible or an experience that is more elusive and difficult. When a Jew says, okay, I'm going to do X, it's going to be hard for me. So we know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm going to do this particular behavior and this behavior is going to be hard for me. But when I say I'm going to learn Torah from all its perspectives, the chap over here is that the person is now committed to also learn the parts of Torah. Here a person saying, I'm actually committing myself to something which I don't know where it's going to land up. I don't know if I'll have clarity. I don't know if I'll ever understand this fully. On the river, so therefore, despite the fact that both Ben Bagbag and Ben Hei are speaking about the unique perspective and insight that a Ger brings to the table, which is the common denominator between both statements, is in the The Ben Bagbag and his teaching 
expresses the great innovation that a ger realizes, the value of learning Torah, but it's not absolutely apparent. You have to dig and find it. And Ben Heihei talks about the amazing insight that a ger brings, that if it's really difficult to do something and I wasn't required to do it, this great reward, that is in a more open and revealed way to understand.